All right, Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. I have to say, standing up here, it always humors me to watch you all. And um, I'll just leave it at that. You probably find humor in watching me stand up here. So it's equal, you know, mutual. But uh, definitely an interesting view that you don't always get. You only get it a few times. And I do want to say for anyone that is a visitor here, uh, come back another service to hear our pastor preach. Like Kenny said, I, am, I miss pastor when he's not here. I, I, love, taking an, I love being able to preach, and, and I love the opportunity to preach, and I'm thankful that pastor gave me that opportunity, but I, am, I just love hearing his preaching. And this morning's sermon, man, if you weren't challenged this morning, you need to listen to it again. That was good. So Numbers chapter 13, and I forgot to tell you Deuteronomy chapter 1. So everybody's going to really fast turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 1. But Numbers 13 and Deuteronomy chapter 1, I want to look at tonight lessons from seeing the giants. Lessons from seeing the giants. Numbers chapter 13, we'll start reading there first. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a few verses, skip down and read some more Here's to Deuteronomy, or sorry, Numbers chapter 13 first, and verses 1 through 3 says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men, that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of the fathers shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them. And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. All those men were heads of the children of Israel. Drop down to verse 17. Numbers 13, verse 17. And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them, Get you up this way southward and go up into the mountain and see the land, what it is, and the people that dwell, dwelleth therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many, and what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what cities they be, and what cities they be that they dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds, and what is the land, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not, and be ye of good courage, and bring of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and searched land from the wilderness of Zin unto Rehob, as men come to Hamath. Let's drop down to verse number 26. Verse 25 says, And they returned from searching of the, from the, from searching of the land after 40 days. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel, unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh, and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them, told him, and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest, and, it, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Verse 31, But the men that went up with them said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land though through which we have gone to search it 
as a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. Turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 1. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 19. We'll read some down to verse 26. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 19. And when we departed from Horeb, we went through all that great and terrible wilderness which ye saw by the way of the mountain of the Amorites, as the Lord our God commanded us. And we came to Kadesh Barnea, and I said unto you, Ye are come unto the mountain of the Amorites, which the Lord our God doth give unto us. Behold, the Lord thy God hath set the land before thee. Go up and possess it. As the Lord God of thy fathers has said unto thee, Fear not, neither be discouraged. And he came near unto me, every one of you, and said, We will send men before us, and they shall search out us out the land and bring us word again by what way we must go up and into what cities we shall come. And the saying pleased me well, and I took twelve men of you, one of every tribe. And they turned and went up into the mountain and came into the valley of Eshkol and searched it out. And they took of the fruit of the land in their hands and brought it down to us and brought word, us word again and said, It is a good, good land which the Lord our God doth give us notwithstanding he would not go up, but rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God. We find the children of Israel in Kadesh at the banks of the Jordan River. They had finally arrived at the brink of the promised land. God had promised the land to them on the other side of Jordan, but they stopped and sent in spies to examine the land. And when those spies returned, they reported the land was a good land, but that was a land inhabited by giants. In fact, 10 of the spies were absolutely terrified of the giants they had seen there. Caleb and Joshua, who had seen the same giants, tried their best to get the people to trust the Lord, enter, the, enter Canaan, and claim the land. But the people listened to the majority and refused to battle the giants of the land. As a result, in Numbers 14, specifically verse 34, as a result of that, they were condemned to another 40 years of wilderness wanderings. They were to wander until the faithless generation died out. Forty years later, they arrive back at the Jordan River. Moses speaks to them and prepares them to go into the land. And as he does, he lets them know that they're about to enter that land and face the same giants on the other side of the Jordan. Deuteronomy 9, verse 1 and 2 says, Hear, O Israel, thou art to pass over Jordan this day, to go in to possess nations greater and mightier than, than thyselves, cities great and fenced up to heaven, a people great and tall, the children of the Anakims, whom thou knowest, and of whom thou hast heard say, who can stand before the children of Anak? So what's the point? Israel had fled from those giants 40 years before. But when their children came back 40 years later, the giants were still there, and they had to be faced. Let me ask you a couple questions. And be, don't be quick to answer them. They're good questions. They're really like get you riled up questions. But really think about what I'm saying tonight. Do you believe that God wants the best for you 
your family and our church? Do you believe that we're standing on the brink of God doing something great through us, our family, and our church? But like Israel, are you standing on the brink of God doing something great? But because of a giant or giants, plural, in your life, you're hindering forward progress. This is a church body. We are a called out assembly. We are together. And you better believe that every single one of us have a play and have a, an influence on what happens in this church. As a church, we may be standing on the brink of God doing something great, but because of a giant or giants in your life, we as a church are hindering forward progress. Every one of us faces giants. I'm not trying to make you look like this bad Christian because you face a giant in your life. Every single one of us face giants. I'm facing giants right now in my own life. God worked on my heart with this sermon so much and I'm, he's continuing to work on my heart. We all face giants. You say, what is a giant? A giant is anything that stands between you and God's plan for your life. A giant is anything that seems bigger than you and your desire to serve the Lord. A giant is that which seems stronger than you. Giants can't be faced alone. Giants are allowed by God to test our faith and prove it. Giants many times steal the peace of God. And many times giants stop the progress of God's people. There are many different types of giants in our lives. The, giants of, the giant of difficulty. The giant of doubt. The giant of delay. The giant of fear. The giant of discouragement. The giant of worry. The giant of guilt. The giant of temptation. The giant of doubt. The giant of failure, the giant of the past, past sins, past things you've done in your life, the giant of pride, and the giant of unbelief. You might be sitting here tonight, and you know you should be saved. You understand it, but that giant of belief is staring you straight in the eye and telling you that you ought not to be saved. You know that's of the devil, by the way. And it's interesting how people look at things so differently. I mean, we have how many people? Probably a hundred and something people in here. And if we all were to ask each, if I were to ask each one of you about something, everyone would have a different view. We might have some similarities, but there would be a lot of different views. It's interesting how we look at things differently. People go through the same kind of trial in their life, but they focus on different aspects of that trial. Some see only the trials that they go through, and the trial is huge. But on the other hand, some see God in the midst of their trial, and they refocus on God. And they refocus, and they refocus, and they have to keep refocusing, because, man, those giants, the devil's relentless. And I ask you, are you seeing the giant of the trial, or are you seeing God who is bigger than the trial. God told the children of Israel to go and possess the land. Why are we cautious even when God says to do something? Why are we cautious? They sent the spies 
Although the spies saw the grapes of clusters, grapes so large that two men had to carry them, by the way. Man, those would have been some good grapes. Red ones, too. I do not like the green ones, by the way. The red ones, okay? The green ones are nasty, all right? I'll tell you a little secret. If you, if you pick all the grapes off the, off the vine, the cluster, and stick them in a bowl, it's a lot easier to eat them that way. And you eat more at a time, you know? So my wife will take them all off the, the cluster and put them in a bowl, and man, they'll be gone in no time, especially if they're red. But think about it. They saw the grapes. The majority, though, reported and emphasized what? Emphasized the giants that they saw. We as Christians do the same thing. We see God's miracles in our lives. We see God's power in our lives. We know God can work. But when we report back, we emphasize the giants that we're seeing instead of the God of the giants. God wants to do something in our lives, people. God wants to do something in our church. We have a blessed church. We have a great pastor. We have a pastor who loves God, who wants to be standing right here preaching. And we sit there and we let the giants, I sit there and I let the giants keep me from letting forward progress go. And I justify it and I spiritualize and I act like it's all okay. It's not. Isn't it time we stand tall and face those giants in our lives? Ephesians tells us, Ephesians 6 tells us, we have the weapons that are needed to battle against these giants. We have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We have the helmet of salvation. We have the shield of faith that can quench the fiery darts of the wicked, those giants. And above all, we can battle these giants with God himself, who, has all, who always makes two promises before sending us out to face these giants. What are those two promises? That he will be with us and he will empower us. We have a lot. And yet we let the giants of our life keep us from forward progress. So with God's help, I want to look at lessons from seeing the giants. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for each person here tonight. And Lord, I pray that as I speak tonight, Lord, that I would not be seen, but that Holy Spirit, you would be able to work. Lord, I pray that we'd put the distractions of the, of the day away. Lord, I'm sure we all have things weighing on our minds. We have burdens. We have things we've got to do this week, tomorrow, tonight. Lord, I pray that we just focus on your word. I ask you to bind up the hand of Satan. Pray that the Holy Spirit could work in my heart. The Holy Spirit would work in the hearts of each of these people, Lord. And I pray as we go from here that, it would, that we'd be different. Lord, that we'd be able to have the weapons that we need to face the giants in our life. That we'd have the weapons that we need to face the giants in our families. That we'd have the weapons we need to face the giants in our church. And that we could see you work as you want to work in our lives and in our families and in our church. Bless as only you can. I love you and thank you for all you've done. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. First lesson that we see from, lesson from seeing the giants is, first of all, we will be stronger by overcoming our giants, than if there had been no giants to overcome. Let me say it again. We will be stronger by overcoming our giants than if there had been no giants to overcome. God wanted to give the children of Israel the victory in possessing and obtaining the, the promised land. The giants of the land were a part of God's overall plan. He was not taken by surprise with the giants. 
Do you believe that tonight? Do you believe that God puts giants in your life to test you? Let me say it again. Do you believe that God puts giants in your life to test you? He does. He puts things in our life. If they would have obeyed God and allowed him to bring this victory in their life, they'd have been stronger. God has a reason for everything he does. Whether it makes sense to us. Man, there's so much stuff God does in my life. It does not make sense. And I have to say I don't always respond the right way. And shame on me for doing that. I ought to respond in faith. But God knows what he's doing tonight. You know what our responsibility is? Is to just have faith and obey him. God allows it in our life. He allows his giants so that we can be stronger. You know, think back in your life, and I, I just want to give some testimony of, for God's glory, by the way, and God's honor, by the way. I'm not tooting my own horn tonight. But I want you to think as I say these things back to your life and the many things God's brought you through, and the giants you've had to face. And what if you didn't face them? What if you ran from them? You know, throughout our life, God's called me and Mary to do some challenging things. But we're stronger in spite of it. I am stronger, not weaker, because I had to come over, overcome financial giants in my life. As a family, you know, when we had Cassia, we were in Idaho at that time. And I had to overcome some giants in my life. Mary had to come overcome some giants. We had a miscarriage while we were here. And that was a giant in my life. I remember that Sunday. I came in and I told Pastor, I, it was Pastor Williams, by the way, at that time. I said, I, I can't be here today. It was, a, it was a giant. But what if I ran from all that? What if I said, no, I'm not going to face that giant? For God's, glory honor, for God's glory and honor, by God's grace, praise God, I faced those giants, and God has made me stronger Amen. for his glory and for his honor. Amen. And you hopefully can think back to times in your life where you've had to face some giants. It's better to have faced those giants and be stronger than never had faced any giants. The trial or difficulty you faced, or maybe you're facing even now, or will be facing if you're not facing any of them. Therefore, you're good. You know, we, when we face giants, we need to ask a couple questions. Why do you want this giant defeated? Ask yourself, why do you want the giant in your life defeated? Is it because you want an easier life? Is it bragging rights? Is it power in the eyes of others? Those are some viable things to think about. You realize there's only two proper motives in why we should be defeating our giants? What are they? First of all, a desire to, for God's glory and honor. Amen. Everything we do, 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, whether we eat, whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. The first reason for those defeating, the defeating of those giants is to give glory and honor to God. And really the second reason is that, the second reason and the only other reason that we ought to want our Giants defeated through God's help is a desire for God's plan to be fulfilled in your life. It's part of God's plan for you to go through these things. It may be part of God's plan for you to defeat that giant. 
But let me say it also might be part of God's plan for him to give you the grace to live with that giant in your life. Man, I would love, and trust me, I prayed to God and cried out to God and begged God for God to take the giant out of my life. And and most of the time, he doesn't. He says what he said to Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Romans 8, 28. We we know that all things work together for good to them, love God to them, or who are called according to to his purpose. 2 Corinthians 4, 17. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment... Man, some of those giants seem like they're longer than a moment. And I'm very impatient, by the way. So, man, my moment's got to be fast. Like, you know, 16th notes in the music. Come on, let's hurry up and get this done. 30 seconds, even better. Um, Man, those moments drag sometimes, okay? But he said, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. I know that's not very encouraging tonight that I'm going to say that some that God may decide to leave that giant in your life. But either way, God is greater. And we have to face him. Don't run from them. Man, it's a lot easier to run. But by the way, you will never outrun God. (laughs) Just take it from me. You won't outrun God. You won't. You can run all day you want. And somewhere down the line, he's going to catch you. And he's going to accomplish what he wants in your life for his glory and his honor. First of all, we will be stronger by overcoming our giants than if there had never been no giants to overcome. Secondly, it's on the pathway of duty that we find the giants. Israel was going forward towards the promised land when the giants appeared. Then even after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, the giants were still in the land. Israel couldn't run away from them. They had to face them, and they had to defeat them in God's power and God's strength. You know, one way I found out that I'm going forward and doing what's right is when there's pushback from the devil. That's a true test. If you want to know you're going forward, start going in the right, what direction you believe is right in God's eyes, and if the devil starts fighting you, you know you're going the right way. Obviously, check the Word of God, too. I, I don't think that the best test is the Word of God, but you understand my heart, and you understand what I'm trying to say here. Anytime you go forward for do, and doing right, that's when the giants jump out. It's when a church is launching out to do more, to reach more people, to stand stronger, that the giants appear in our pathway. It's when you personally finally decide to give it all to Christ and make a commitment that the giants appear. Let a teenager really dedicate himself to God and the giants will appear. Let an adult surrender all to God, and you'll see the sign, beware of giants. Let a family surrender to God and do His will, and watch all the giants and problems come in like a flood. Are you going to run? Or are you going to face them in God's strength? Knowing they're part of God's plan, knowing God is greater, knowing you can have the victory. I want to really fast. I got to really fast go through this, but go over to Deuteronomy chapter one. There's some things giants do, and I find them in Deuteronomy chapter one. I, 
This is too good to skip over. There's stuff I skip over in my notes, but man, this is too good to skip over. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 1, and I want to just quickly go through these things to show you some things that giants do. Any new commitment to God takes faith in God to persevere the fear of giants. Maybe you're sitting there tonight and you're in utter fear of the giants God's going to put in your life. And man, it can be gripping. Fear, fear can make you so, so struck that you can't even move, that you can do nothing but lay there in a ball, literally sometimes, crying out to God. That's what you ought to do, by the way, is cry out to God, because that's when God hears you, and that's when God comes in and helps you. But man, fear can take over your life. And these giants, they can be big in our eyes, and there's some things giants can do. Giants can cause us to disregard God's plan. Look at verses 19 through 21. I won't read them all again, but in verses 19 through 21, what did God tell the children of Israel? To go up and to possess the land, right? Behold, the Lord thy God hath set the land before thee. Go up and possess it, as the Lord God of thy fathers has said unto thee, Fear not, neither to be dismayed. Or discouraged, excuse me. Neither be discouraged, verse 21. Many times giants cause us to disregard God's plan. God's command was clear. I've given you the land. Go up and possess it. Let me ask you, are you standing on the threshold of God's blessing and promise, but you're allowing the giants to cause you to disregard what God's plan is for your life? Think of all the missed opportunities. Pastor talked about missed opportunities this morning. There were so many points there I thought, man, did he know I was... We didn't talk. We don't normally, we never, I never, hardly ever tell him what I'm preaching on. Oh, okay. I said we never talk. Um, and I noticed I said something weird. My wife laughed. So I don't mean we don't ever talk. We talk. But we don't talk about the sermons that I'm going to preach. Unless I think, you know, I probably should let him know I'm preaching on this just in case he'd rather me not. But most of the time, I don't tell him. And man, some of those points he was saying this morning, I thought, did he bug my house? Did he tap into my tablet and figure out what I was preaching or my computer. It's the Holy Spirit, by the way. The Holy Spirit has a way of doing this. And all these songs tonight, by the way, at least the first two, man, they were right down the line of going forward for God and, and just facing and our, my anchor holds. You know, just encouraging how God does it. But think of all the missed opportunities that the children of Israel wasted because they allowed the giants of the land to keep them from going forward. It caused them to disregard God's plan for their life. Giants cause us to do that. Giants distort God's purposes. Giants distort God's purposes, verse 27 and 28. And you murmured in your tents and said, because the Lord hated us. Did the Lord hate them? No. But giants will do that to you. They will mess with your mind. And you've got to put it out. You have got to get the word of God and you have got to start quoting it. It'll distort it if you don't, aren't careful. Because God hated us, he hath brought us forth out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites and to destroy us. Whither shall we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our hearts, saying, notice what they were saying. It distorted God's purpose. God's purpose wasn't to hurt them. But you know, giants rob us of God's perspective. Giants get our eyes off of God and on our problems. You know, giants bring the worst out it, can be the, it hopefully brings the best out of you. But many times, giants bring the worst out of you. It causes complaints, distrust, finger-pointing, and despair. 
That's what giants do. Have you lost sight of God's promise and strength? Are you looking at your giants through God's perspective or are you looking at them through a distorted perspective? Thirdly, giants discourage God's people. Verse 28, I already read it, said that they were discouraged. Discouragement and negativity is contagious. Man, it's easy. As soon as somebody starts being discouraging and negative, man, it's easy to jump on. The, yeah, I, yeah, yep, that's very true. I'll let my filter kick in, but um, the hopes and dreams of the Israelites were ruined for 40 years because of the discouragement and the negativity of 10 people. 10 people. It's contagious. Are you discouraged and negative? Who's on the throne? Who is on the throne? God is still on the throne. Fourthly, giants cause us to disbelieve God's purpose. Giants cause us to disbelieve, disbelieve God's promises. God promised that he would go up with them. He would help them battle. And then fifthly, giants cause us to disobey God's principles. Verse 26 of Deuteronomy 1, verse 26 of Deuteronomy chapter 1 says, Notwithstanding, you would not, you would not go up, but rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God. Giants cause us to disobey God's principles. Fear is disobedience, plain and simple. Throughout the Bible, God commands us, and it's, by the way, in the imperative, meaning it's a command, fear not. And I'll stand up here today and say, there's many times I've disobeyed God's command. And I'm not saying that so that you all praise me. It's not something that's good, but I'm not, I want you to understand, I'm not standing up here saying I got this all figured out. God has already worked me over. He's going to continue to work me over. I just couldn't stand but tell you about it. And how God challenged me. How can fear be anything other than disobedience to God when he has given us everything? Second Peter 1 says that we need to walk in, by faith. How, how is it not disobedience if God's given us every single thing we need? For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. God is a mighty miracle working God. And you think of Paul... Wouldn't, it have been, wouldn't you think that the power of God would have just led him to bypass all those problems he had? The shipwreck, the storms, the tempests, the serpents, the persecutors, the stonings, the jailing. Wouldn't it be just, you know, it, just God's power, just bypass it all. After all, God knew what he, was going to happen, but no, that wasn't God's plan. Paul had to face them and head on face them by faith. And what did he say in Philippians 4, 11 through 13? Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know how, both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. There's gonna be, you're gonna be going down the road of, of duty. Not always are giants part of, your, of sin, Okay, there are some things I think that when you sin, you bring things into your life. God says, God, I'm not going to be mocked. Whatsoever you sow, you're going to reap. But I think many times God just puts, our, puts giants in our pathway and in the pathway of duty to prove something and to get us to be stronger. And we have to understand that. So we see, first of all, we are stronger by overcoming our giants than if we had, there had been no giants to overcome. Secondly, it's on the pathway of duty that we find the giants. And thirdly, you have to rely on the right methods to battle your giants. You thirdly have to rely on the right methods to battle your giants. I'll have you go really fast over to 
1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. We find another giant, a very familiar one, by the way. And no, I am not going to sing only a boy named David um, for you all and do the swishing and the round and round circles, okay? We'll save that for another time, another station, another place like junior church because then the kids don't care if I'm being an idiot down there. Um, And I used to do that and I would love to continue doing that if I can find time to do that. That's a total side point, but um, I'm gonna stop rambling. Okay, so 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. You have to rely on the right methods to fight your giants. I'm going to read a quick passage here. We know the passage, so I'm not going to belabor it, but 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 32 down to verse 40. 1 Samuel 17, verse 32 down to verse 40. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go up against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and, be a, and he a man of war from, from his youth. And David said unto Saul, Thy servants... Or thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion. That phrase, there came a lion. It set him up for later, by the way. This was earlier on in his life. And there came a lion and a bear, and I and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered and delivered him, or delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by the beard and smote him and slew him. Man, he was a man's man. He must have been buff, okay? How many of you could do that? All right. Um, Verse 36. That was the Tyler Brock version in between the lines of the Greek and, you know, the Hebrew actually here. So um, verse 36. "Thy, thy, Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, moreover, the Lord, notice this, that delivered me out of the paw of the lion And out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, go, and the Lord be with thee. And Saul armed David with his armor. And we know the story. He wasn't able to to have that armor because he hadn't proven it. But he had proven the other things. He had proven his sling and his stones and his God. And so he takes that. And he took his staff in his hand, verse 40, and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had even in in a script, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. And the Philistine came on and drew unto David. And we know the story from there. He slew, he, 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 he slew the, the, the giant there. But, you know, it was, it was David. When David's plan to kill the giant reached the ears of King Saul, Saul just joined in with all the naysayers, telling David, you know, you can't do this. You're not, you're not fit for that. Then hearing that he was determined to do it, Saul tried to suit him up in his own armor, David in his own armor. David, however, rejects that, as I already said, because he hadn't proven it. But David was was determined that he was going to use what had worked for him in the past. I'm going to get to a point here. David knew that God, the God who had always come through in the past, was the God who would still come through in the present. He didn't need that armor. David David knew that God was greater than any giant. He also knew that God had a plan for his life. And that plan did not include him dying at the hand of this giant. And you may try any method you want to. You have a free will. You can choose any method to defeat the giants in your life. You can attend the latest seminars. I'm sure they're out there. You can read the newest books. I'm sure there's some out there about these things. I'm not saying they're all bad, but I'm just saying you can try everything. You can climb on the latest bandwagon. You can strive to, 
for the purpose-driven life. But when it's all said and done, giant killing gets really simple. It comes down to one simple basic truth. The just shall live by faith. If you want your giants to be dead and you, them sitting at your feet, believe God is greater than all your giants. Amen. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that he worketh in us. Secondly, the God who worked then will still work now. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, Hebrews 13, 8 says. And thirdly, you don't need new methods to defeat your giants. You just need to communicate to God in prayer. Every single time that giant comes, you need to cry out to God. Prayer is the, the believer's greatest secret weapon. You know, communication has always been this thing that people try to figure out on battlefields. You know, how did, that, how did this happen and this enemy take over? Why didn't you communicate right? And, and communication has always been this thing that they've tried to make sure it could be the best that it can be and always trying to improve it. You know, as a believer... We have the proven method of communication with God. We don't need to develop it anymore. It's developed. It's cry out to God. Cry out to God in, in faith. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne, the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And then battle the giant with the word of God. That's the way the Savior did it in Matthew chapter 4. Every time the devil came to him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Every time it is written. And every time you have a giant, you have to get the word of God. That, that means we have to memorize it. Tell the students all the time, it doesn't come by osmosis. Too bad. Lay it on the pillow, lay your head on it, and it all goes into your brain. I wish it worked that way. It would be awesome. I learn a lot. But it doesn't. We have to commit it to memory. We have to... Study the scripture. We have to memorize it. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and it is discerned over the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And you say, Miss, you say, Tyler, why in the world are you bringing up all these things we know? How many times do we have a giant in our life and we know all the right things to do, like Brother Kenny said? We know how to do it, but we just don't do it. And we need this reminder that we just need to call on God, pray, Battle the, the giant with the word of God and then attack your giant in faith knowing that God's going to give the victory. He will either give you the victory to face the giant or he'll give you the grace and the victory in what you're having to face. I've already mentioned that point. Giants are placed in our lives to grow in the Lord. You know, Warren Worsby, who's a great man of God back a long time ago. I don't, know, I don't remember when he was around, but he said, giants are the bumps we climb on. That's a good saying. Giants are the bumps we climb on. We defeat them and we keep climbing higher. And then I'm not going to mention this point, but you have to expect the right miracles when facing your giants. You know, David slew that giant. Look at verse 51 in, in 1 Samuel 17. I'm going to mention this and we'll be done. But 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 51. Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of the sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith and when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. Notice this. I'm going to ask you a really hard question tonight. You ready? Is the giant still there? Was the giant still there in that verse? It's not a trick question. I'm trying to trick you. It's real easy. It's, he was still there. But only now he's 10 feet long, not 10 feet tall. 
Some of you, you'll get this in about 30 minutes. At home, you'll be like, <laughs> you know, and you'll be laughing and, you know. Um, you can get over a giant like that. Just God can defeat those giants. Faith will take that which is over your head and he'll put it right under your feet. So what do you, what do you, we, we saw that we will be stronger by overcoming our giants than if there had been no giants at all. We saw that it's, time, it's on the pathway of duty that we find giants. You have to rely on the right methods. And third, fourthly, you have to accept, expect the right miracles when you're facing your giants. So I ask you tonight, are you going forward? Or have you hesitated in your walk with the Lord because of the giants in your life? you believe the good report of what God will do for you if you obey? Or will you believe the evil report? What kind of giant are you looking at this evening? Do you fear that it, can be, it can't be defeated? Do you fear that, that it can't be defeated? Well, it can. Whether it's a giant of sin or some difficulty in your life, whether it's a giant of salvation tonight and unbelief, it can be defi- defeated by the power of God. And, and I say in this room, I don't ever take for granted the fact that there could be one in this room sitting there struggling with salvation. I'm not God. I don't know people's hearts. But I have to say, as a preacher of God's word, if you're struggling with doubt of your salvation, if you know full well you're not saved, and that's the giant you're facing, I beg of you tonight, get it taken care of. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. You're not guaranteed the next second. Christ could come back right now. You could fall over of a heart attack at a very young age. We're at an old age. Are you ready? I challenge you to bring that giant, whatever it is, to the feet of Jesus and cast it there and he'll give you the victory. I'm going to pray and then we're going to have a time of altar call and you come and do, after I pray, you come and do business with God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray you'd work even in my heart and continue to work in my heart as you already have that I would face the giants in my life, Lord. Work in the hearts as only you can. You know the hearts. I don't, I don't know, but Lord, I know that you made it very clear to me to preach this message tonight. And Lord, if it was just for me, then I thank you for that. But Lord, I pray that you do your perfect will in this invitation. Work in the hearts as only you can and bless us, Lord. Use us and, and just make us different and help us to leave different here tonight. We love you and thank you for all you do. Bless the invitation as only you can. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you-